Well, hey, for my birthday, uh, this is what I'd like from you guys, to sit here while I preach for two hours. Who's down? Yeah, hey, hey, all right, all right. That's, uh, I can do it. I, can, I just, I really love the Bible. I love talking about it. And that, that would be very easy to do, just so you know. So I want you to know the gift I give you guys each week by uh, cutting it down. Uh, anyway, well, hey, I, I, it is so good to be here this morning. Thank you all uh, for wishing me a happy birthday. Uh, I'm so glad that we're here together. I just, I love uh, just what we get to do as a church on Sundays. Uh, the big heart here of Living Hope Church is that we're gathering together to worship Jesus. We're gathering together uh, to see uh, what God has for us, to celebrate what God's been doing among us, to dive into the word and get filled up uh, with God's truth and God's call and God's commission and, uh, and God's words to us. And, uh, and we worship God in song. And so this morning, our heart and our hope is that you would encounter uh, God, that you would encounter Jesus uh, the way he has revealed himself uh, in the Bible. And, uh, and I really do believe that if you open your eyes, if you open your ears, if your heart is open this morning, God will bless you uh, in a way that goes forever and ever and ever uh, into eternity. God wants to encounter you today and meet you today and speak to you today uh, where you are uh, in your life. He has a purpose and a plan. He sees you. He loves you. He knows you. Uh, it's not an accident you're here. And I'm just, I'm so excited because I just believe every time we gather, God wants to do wonderful and amazing things. Um, today, uh, we are continuing in our series through Galatians. We only have a few more weeks left on this. Uh, I'll be preaching this week. Parker will be preaching next week. And then I believe I'm wrapping up the sermon series uh, in two weeks. And, uh, and today, the sermon actually uh, might end up being a little bit, uh, it's either going to end up being real long or real short. I haven't decided yet. And, and the reason for that, uh, not real long, come on, okay, not two hours, uh, hour and a half. No, I'm kidding. That's a joke. But uh, I, I the, the topic I'm talking about today is of critical importance, uh, and it's something that we all, I think, can use uh, some input on. And, and I've been a pastor for a long time now, and this is one of those issues that I've spent so much time, uh, I've, I've spent time pastoring people through. Uh, I've, when I sit down with people, I find this is something a lot of people don't really know a lot about what the Bible really says, uh, or we, we, we get a, it's really about sin and conflict in the church, and, and uh, I mean, the sermon's called Restoration and Reconciliation. And what I find is that often the tools that we have for this is we, we don't really have many. Um, we're not really good at restoring one another. We're not really good at reconciling with one another. And many of us have uh, sins and hurts in our lives that just haven't quite been dealt with. Uh, today I'm going to talk more about, uh, in particular, what the passage talks about, which is kind of sin in the church, hurt in the church, and how do we deal with this? How do we navigate this? What does Jesus tell us? How do we deal with it when a, a Christian friend, um, or even maybe just a friend in general, uh, hurts us or does something sinful against us? How do we handle that? What do we do? Do we, we lash out? Do we ignore it? Do we just let that friendship fade? Do we hold bitterness forever? What do we do? What does the Bible say um, to do? And so we're really going to be talking about this, specifically about restoring others, reconciling between people, and then I'm going to give some general pastoral guidelines uh, for some of the most common conflicts, uh, and we'll talk also way, uh, up to some of the more significant conflicts and issues that can happen in the church. I wish this could be more exhaustive. It can't be, um, but because it just we don't have the time for it. But again, uh, I most likely will do part one today, and I'll wrap this up in two weeks um, in part two. Uh, so anyway, with that said, let me pray for us this morning, and then we'll read our passage, and we'll jump into the sermon. Heavenly Father, I am just so, so thankful uh, for you. Father, that you are a good, good Father who loves us 
and who, who draws near to us as we draw near to you. That, Father, that you have made a way for us to be reconciled and restored to you. And, and that you are a God who draws people in. You're a God who redeems what's broken. You're a God who, who, who provided the way for our forgiveness uh, and who makes a way for us to be made righteous. That, Lord, every heart in here this morning, uh, regardless of their past, Father, you can make them whole. And not just make them whole, you can heal. And, Father, you can forgive. And, Lord, you can fully redeem and call them to be a son or daughter uh, of you, the heavenly father. And, and Lord, I just pray this morning that you would draw near to us and, and bless us. Help us to understand how do we deal with sin in our lives? How do we deal with sin committed against us? And how do we deal with these things when they're happening in the church? Uh, father, I do pray that uh, you would help us, Lord, if there's people in here who have hidden sin in their lives, dark evil that's festering, that they're uh, a second life or, uh, or things hidden in their hearts that they just feel like, I can never be restored from this. I can never it's better if I stay in control. It's better if I keep it hidden. Father, I pray this morning you would break the power of that lie and that, Lord, you would bring these things into the light so that you can heal them, so that you can set people free, so that you can break the condemnation, break the, the, the vicious cycle of sin. And, Lord, I just pray today that your mercy and grace would wash over us and that, Lord, we would be a people uh, free and a people free from condemnation and a people alive in Christ, forgiven and living our lives for your purposes, building your kingdom as you uh, grow. And, and advance your kingdom through this whole world. Jesus, we pray all these things in your name. Amen. All right. Um, obviously, there, you know, I, I kind of prayed it, but there's some critical vision to this. This idea of understanding, uh, you know, hidden sin in our lives. Uh, first of all, I want you to know this. We all will battle temptations to sin, and we will all have sin in our lives that hides in dark places, right? The goal of the Bible is to, one, assure you that you have forgiveness uh, and that Jesus can restore you. Uh, and then second, uh, to, to help encourage you that, hey, when you bring these things to the light, it feels like death, but God uses it to deliver. God uses it to bless. God uses it to set us free, uh, and, uh, and actually, when things are hidden in our lives in the darkness, it, it just it causes destruction all around us, and so uh, I, I hope today to, uh, really, you can see some challenge here um, in this sermon. Uh, so it's, some of it's challenged personally in our sins, some of it's challenging thinking about sins in the church or sins that affect us or have hurt us, uh, offenses between people that were just like, man, this person triggers me when I think about them because of what they've done to me, um, and, uh, and actually, last night as I was going to bed, I was just praying about this morning, I was praying about the sermon. And I, I just, I felt like God gave me this picture of like metal being smelted, like this process of, uh, of you get this metal and it's got all these different things in it, all these impurities in it. And, and through this process of hot, you know, fire, things that are inside kind of boil to the surface and then they get removed, they get taken off the, the surface and, and you're left with this pure, wonderful, you know, thing. And I just felt like God wants to purify us today uh, and, and bless us, you know, to, to, he's the one who makes us holy. Uh, and as we let him sort of apply the heat, the, the word can be, the fire that the Spirit can be. I believe God today wants to, wants to purify your life uh, and, to, and to really get some stuff out. And that stuff can be our own sin that maybe we're trying to hide uh, in the darkness. It can also be bitterness that we're holding uh, or, or maybe a victimhood mentality that we're clinging to, which is really bitterness in disguised. It's bitterness in this like costume of self-justification. Like, I deserve to feel this way because they hurt me so bad. That's this victimhood mentality. Like, um, And Jesus wants to set you free from that uh, because you're not just justified by your wounds. You're not justified by uh, your victimhood. You're justified by grace alone through the blood of Christ. That's what gives you justice. That's what gives you freedom. Uh, nothing else really gives you justification, by the way. So um, anyway, so let's read our passage and uh, you can see how, I mean, you can see even in this conversation how critical this topic is for us. Uh, so Galatians, 
Uh, six, the first five verses, this is all we're looking at today. It says, brothers and sisters here, uh, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. All right. All right. So, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore them in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. This is verse uh, uh, one here, chapter six, verse one. And what this is saying to us is, first of all, he's saying, he's saying something weighty, he's saying something heavy. He, he's basically telling us, hey, in the church, people will sin. Christians will sin. You'll have family members who sin. Your friends will sin, and they will sin against you. Sometimes leaders will sin, and they will hurt you. Right? They, will, they will fail you, right? Sometimes there's big sins, like people will do things that, that have, they leave a path of destruction in their wake. Sometimes it'll be little things, right? I will 100% sin against you in the sense that I will offend you at one point or another, right? Like I won't pay enough attention to you, uh, uh, you know, and, and sometimes that'll be true and sometimes that'll be false and, you know, and, and, and like sometimes it'll be, you know, and so like the truth is everyone in the church, like we will experience this sin. Uh, and, and here we have this instruction. Um, we, we should first take heart, um, you know, and we're obviously talking about big sins here, I think, uh, when he says this. He's saying if anyone's caught in any transgression, um, this idea that sin's going to happen, that big sins can happen in the church can be disorienting, it can be difficult, but we, we should have faith that Jesus is always faithful, uh, and we should have faith uh, that, uh, that Jesus can restore people and restore situations and heal wounds, even in situations where things seem to be irrevocably damaged. Like, I just want you to know that. I've navigated some things in life that have been, I mean, just like nightmare scenarios that I just cannot believe at this point. Like, I remember being in it thinking, this is the worst thing ever. And on the other side, being like, God, I, I cannot believe how you turn pain and, and torment into wonderful glory. Like, it, it, it seems almost counterintuitive, but this is what God does. He He's the one who, he showed us his great glory by taking death and turning into life. The crucifixion of Jesus turned into the most glorious victory in the history of humanity. This is a God who can take great calamity, great chaos, great pain, and turn it into glory and, uh, and redemption and salvation. And, um, and so we should take heart that Jesus is always faithful, even when people aren't. That Jesus can always restore any situation that you might go through, even if it feels really impossible. Um, so here, Paul, he, he's encouraging us to restore people who fall into sin. I think that's really telling about the nature of Christians. We should be people who are aiming for restoration, right? Uh, and he also says we do it in a spirit of gentleness. There's a kindness. There's a love that, that should be applied here. And what I love about this is that even in, I'm listening to Jeremiah, the Old Testament prophet, uh, in my NIV audio, dramatized audio Bible right now, and um, uh, not a sponsor, and, uh, but like while I'm listening to this, uh, it, it's amazing because like Jeremiah and Isaiah, they, they just have such sharp words at times. But uh, this morning it was Jeremiah 29:11. You know, it's like God inviting him in. Behold, you know, I have a plan for you and a purpose for you. Like I, I knew you before you were created, before you were formed in your mother's womb. And, and I'm just like, man, this wonderful spirit of gentleness that even came through the most intense prophets in the Old Testament. It's in there. Isaiah 9, it's in there. Isaiah 55, it's in there. And, and what I love is that um, there's even a humility about these guys. But we are, as Christians, a people who um, we, we want to aim for restoration in a spirit of gentleness, you see it in the passage, and in humility. 
Um, we, don't, we also want to guard ourselves that we would not also become tempted. And I think that part of that guarding is recognizing that we can be tempted um, or we can be legalistic, right? We can fall into sin or we can become Pharisees who are like, I'm not like all those other people, right? And uh, we don't want to do either one. Rather, we want to walk in humility. Um, so this instructs us foundationally how we should think about sin in Christian communities. Again, this is going to happen, but our primary aim is restoration in humility. He even uses this phrase, he says, those who are spiritual, and I believe he's calling, this is, this is him using a phrase that really means mature Christians, right? If you consider yourself a mature Christian, you will be someone who aims for reconciliation, who aims for restoration, right? That means that you don't just ignore conflicts, and there's a difference between like forgiving a conflict and like especially little things, uh, and then just like not reconciling and running away from a person. Does that make sense, right? Uh, or not harboring bitterness towards a person. Mature Christians will not be people who harbor a lot of bitterness. Mature Christians, those who are spiritual, will be people who reconcile and who seek to restore relationships, trusting in Christ, right? And, uh, and, and so again, I would say this, the tone of this passage, the fact that it says restore them in a spirit of gentleness, leads me to believe this passage is talking about pretty significant sin. And even if it's not directly talking about only that, I mean, because obviously this passage would cover every kind of sin, and today we will talk about, we'll talk about the littler stuff all the way up to some of the bigger stuff. I, I think the primary push of this passage with the way it talks about restoring people, that it's talking about heavier sins, the more difficult ones, right? Right? Like, you know, adultery in leadership in the church, that kind of thing. Um, I mean, just adultery in general in Christian communities, uh, uh, you know, or, or great harm or, you know, emotional abuse. There's all these things we can do to hurt one another. Lies, gossip, slander. These are things that can create nightmare scenarios within Christian communities. And, um, and often... Um, Often we don't know what to do when, when they have happened uh, in the church, and uh, it, can be, it can be devastating. So uh, again, um, the tone of this uh, here, it, it's, it's, I love it, restore them in a spirit of gentleness. Um, so uh, here's the thing. First of all, you need to understand, the passage says sin's going to happen in the church. Uh, the Bible uh, basically tells us this is, this is a reality. Now conviction, that's when we, we, we recognize, man, I, there's something wrong here. This is not who I am. Conviction is like, it's when you feel your sin and you, and you feel some shame about it. Um, and I would say there is sometimes a degree of guilt, but it shouldn't be a guilt that, that condemns. It should be a guilt that, that, that is based in identity, right? When you and I sin as Christians, conviction really should be, if it's biblical, uh, it, it should be, this is not who I am. This is not what I'm aiming for. Uh, and, and so conviction as a Christian should be a regular part of, of our lives, is that if we do sin, if we operate outside of our identity in Christ, we operate, uh, you know, in, in, in bowing down to the flesh, chapter, Galatians 5, the chapter we just read, right, says those who walk by the Spirit will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Those who walk by the Spirit cannot please, or rather, walk by the flesh cannot please God. It's saying there's two ways we can live. We can live walking by the Spirit of God. That's the identity we're called to. And when we walk in that identity, it'll guard us from sin, uh, or we can, we, can, we can walk in the Spirit of the flesh. We can walk in our own personal desires, our own selfishness, our own flesh desires, seeking pleasure and sensuality. Um, and we talked about that a few weeks ago. Um, and, uh, but here's the thing. The Bible basically says we're, we're sort of, we are people who have been spiritually redeemed. Our souls are fully redeemed, but we live in these these broken flesh that still have temptation to sin, you know, I can, my anger can still go off, um, you know, I can still be selfish, I can still be lazy, I can still, you know, like we still are capable uh, of sinning, and yet the Bible says you have a new identity. Um, so conviction, confession, and repentance, uh, these are meant to be normal parts of the Christian life. Uh, so conviction is when you feel 
uh, that, that, that sense of, man, shame or, or, or that tinge of, man, I, this is not who I am. Uh, and, and it should move you. Conviction should move you uh, into confession, right? That can be confession before God, uh, which should be regularly part like, Lord, forgive me, help me to walk in your, uh, in your ways. Uh, and sometimes that confession is with other people, I think especially if you're a leader. So for me, that means like shameful, dark thoughts that, that come up in my mind. Uh, like I need to, like David Schultz knows these things. But, you know, our leadership, my leadership team knows these things. But elders around me know these. They know my sins. They know my temptations. And I confess those things. And in that process, I'm bringing them into the light. First John, uh, John, one of the disciples of Jesus, he talks about we are people of the white light. We walk by the light. And as you bring your sin out, it's so embarrassing. It feels like death, but God, uh, you know, he, he destroys it uh, and when it's in the light because it can't exist there. Uh, and then repentance. Uh, so you got this conviction, this inward thing. You have confession, this, this outward thing. And then repentance is, is really a, 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 a follow-up on this. This is walking in the new identity. It's, it's we're forsaking our sin. We're turning from it and looking to Jesus. Uh, we're looking to reconcile and repair the damage that we caused. Uh, and, and we're really trying to turn and walk a new way with repentance. So you can see this. This should be a regular part of the Christian life. Um, uh, Peter says this in 1 Peter 2, 11. He says, the passions of the flesh wage war against your soul. Uh, this is, uh, what I love about this is this is Peter, um, who is one of the main disciples of Jesus. He was as close to him as almost anyone, uh, highly spiritual, highly mature, and yet this is how he writes about sin, right? This does not sound self-righteous to me. Right? I mean, we had the passage up there. He says, beloved, it's compassion, that's pastoral. I urge you as sojourners and exiles Right, saying you don't fit into this world. In our world, they, they just, they love the passions of the flesh, but we are sojourners and exiles. He says it's to abstain from the passions of the flesh. What do they do? They wage war against your soul. This sounds like someone who knows what it is to be tempted, right? And the reality is even John, who wrote First John, he says, hey, don't deceive yourself. Like, nobody is without sin, but if we're faithful to confess our sins, God will forgive us. And so you, you see this process. Like, so I just want you to know, like, no Christian is perfect. This doesn't mean we should live a life complacent with sin. We shouldn't be like, well, I'm just broken. This is the way that it is. No, no, no. We should be a people who say, no, that's not who I am. Romans tells us that we should consider ourselves dead to sin and alive in Christ. So before you sin, like sin always promises, like, this will satisfy you, this will make you feel better. If you fly off the handle, you'll be right. Your anger will make you feel justified, right? You deserve this, this moment or, uh, you know, whatever the sin temptation is, uh, it, it always promises life, but the Bible says we need to consider ourselves dead to sin. So before you sin, remember, no, 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 that sin, it's dead. It doesn't have any power. It can't really deliver life. And then when you, if you do falter, if you do give in to sin and you, you have sin, you need to consider yourself dead to sin. No, this sin has no dominion over me. It has no power over me. It's already been forgiven, right? You have a new identity in Christ. But uh, it's helpful to know that sometimes we will falter, right? There are no perfect Christians. Uh, even, first P or even Peter and John sort of attest to that in their lives. And as they walked with Jesus, they certainly had errors and, and sins that were coming up here and there and lack, lacking faith here and there. So... Um, I just, I want to say this, as we sin, it's so life-giving to empty out your heart, to talk about your sin struggles. Like this process, we hear the words conviction, confession, repentance, I think we can be like heavy burden, but the truth is it's not a heavy burden. It's meant to be a path of freedom and recognizing what God has called you to. Um, 
And so again, this, this regular part of our life, this is important, but uh, I think we wanna, we wanna kind of shift here to, uh, to, to weightier things. I think it's helpful to talk about more catastrophic transgressions or uh, sins that aren't just necessarily uh, you know, just a small personal thing, but maybe something that begins to affect other people. I, I think that's helpful. Um, and I also think this is a good point to, make, to talk about something that I, I have encountered a lot. As a pastor doing pastoral care, uh, dealing with Christians like, you ever heard the, the saying like, oh, you know, all sins are equal, right? All sins are equal. You ever heard this? The Bible doesn't actually teach this. Okay, I want you to know this. Like people will say, oh, all sins are equal. Like, okay, so you're trying to tell me like murder is the exact same thing as like, as like stealing a stick of gum from the store. And people are like, well, you know, like I just want you to think about that for a second, right? Like, so which one has the wrong consequence then? Because if I steal a stick of gum from the store, I'm not gonna go to prison for 20 years, but if I murder someone uh, I'm, and I do it on purpose, I'm likely to go to prison for a really, really long time, right? So are we treating murder not as bad as we should? Or, and, and so the point I'm getting at here is like, it, this, this nuance is important, and that's kind of a silly example, but this nuance is important. And some of you are thinking, wait, didn't Jesus, didn't, wait a minute, didn't Jesus say that, that if you look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery in your heart? And, and didn't Jesus say that if you're angry at your brother? Well, let, let me, let, let's read what Jesus said. Because this is really, really important that you understand this. Because Satan wants to manipulate how we view sin to, to actually cause us uh, to stumble and to cause us to lose faith uh, in many ways. So again, there's, there's some, when I say nuance, that just means there's some, that, not trickiness, but like you, you got to understand that, that these things, um, there's some layers to them. Uh, they're simple layers, though, once, once you see it. So here, Jesus says this on the Sermon on the Mount. Here's what he says. He says, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. What Jesus is pointing out is this, is that people wouldn't murder, but they would be unjustly angry at their brother or friend. They would hate other people, and they would think, oh, I'm not murdering, I'm fine. That's what Jesus is saying. There are no like little sins that, that just don't mean anything. He's trying to say like, you think you can get away with looking at a woman lustfully because you haven't touched her. That's, you're saying, oh, I can do it in my eye. This is fine. This is fine. I'm not actually doing anything about it. And Jesus is saying, no, both are sin. Both are sin. He's not saying they're equal sins. He's saying both of them are sin. You think one is sin and one isn't. And so you don't murder and you're like, I am a good, righteous person, but your heart is full of evil. Right? This is what the prophets in the Old Testament were saying. Right? Like You outwardly look like you have a good life, but inwardly you're full of evil. And Jesus is calling this out. And he's saying there's just, we, we will try to minimize sins in our life. We will pick sins that we think these are small, little, tiny things, and then we'll relish in them and walk in them. And Jesus is saying, no, you are liable when you do this. You're liable to judgment when you do these things. Right? So that's ultimately what he's saying. He's saying both are sin. And we, can, we, we have this tendency to minimize sin or to justify sinful behaviors because there are worse things out there, right? You ever been pulled over by a cop and your first thought is, There's, I'm not murdering, right? Why are you bothering me? I know I'm breaking the law right now, but it's not that serious, right? Compared to, like, we try to justify by looking at more serious sins. What Jesus is saying is that all sins are serious, right? But I want you to know, some sins are more serious, right? All sins are serious, but some sins are more serious. It's important that you understand this. Um, and I would say oftentimes in the church, um, we, we just, oh, never mind. Hold on, wait, I'm jumping, I'm jumping ahead of myself here. Uh, so, so we don't want to minimize or justify our sin. And again, this doesn't mean that, that, that there aren't sins that are worse than others. It just means that, um, it means that there aren't 
sins that are just, there's not just some sins, oh, these are just okay sins, right? It is a sin to hate your brother, even if you just insult them, right? You need to be convicted about that. That's not who you are in Christ. It's a sin to do that. But it's worse if you murder him, right? So think about that, right? Like, again, this is important that you understand because there are people out there who say all sins are equal. That's not what Jesus is teaching. I just want you to know that, right? The Bible does not, it actually says that there's, there's de- like different depths of hell for different kinds of evil. It, it's just Jesus saying, hey, you think these things are fine, but he's saying, no, 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 there's, sin is worse than you thought, but some sin, so that means like probably how you think about murder, it's way worse than you realize, right? Because we don't think about hatred as poorly as we should. And Jesus is saying both are evil, uh, but certainly murder is worse uh, than hatred. Uh, they are not exactly the same thing. Um, so hopefully you're understanding this, right? Um, and why am I laboring this point? Well, it's, I think it's important that we understand how to be the people of the light that we are called to be. It's so important that we understand this, uh, that, that, that we, 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 we know that we don't want to be living in a place where sin is, is hidden. Uh, we don't want be to, be, to be in a place where sin is secretly dominating our lives. Rather, we want to be a people of the light because we all have sins. Uh, we all give in at times, that we, and we have this temptation to keep it hidden, but God wants us to live in the light and be free free from these things. He wants to break your chains. He doesn't want you to chain yourself up more, right, by hiding parts of your life away uh, from others, away from your spouse, or away from uh, the church, or away from Christian brothers or sisters. And and you can't really hide them from God. He sees them the whole time. Uh, But he's saying, I've called you to something greater, right? Uh, So we need to understand this on the personal level, and at the same time, we need to understand that sometimes sin can escalate. Often sin will escalate in our lives. Every one of you in this room, you have people who trigger you because of the way they've treated you. You have have Christians who have sinned greatly against you, and we need to understand how to navigate when sin rises to such a level that it creates chaos and it sows seeds of death all around us. We need to understand how to navigate that, all right? Uh, the damage can uh, uh, often seem small, and here, this is an interesting note. When we're hiding sin in our lives, right, we, we have this temptation to hide it, to I've got, I'm in control right now. I would tell you this, is that when we're hiding sin in our lives, what we don't realize is that you are basically sowing seeds of death all around you. Uh, that, that, that in the moment may not feel like it's that you're like, well, I'm keeping it hidden. This is the better way. I'm not going to hurt my spouse. I'm not going to hurt my, I'm just going to keep, I'm in control of this. I'm fine. It's okay. Uh, what the Bible would say is that you're actually, while you're hiding in the dark, you're actually He's kind of sowing seeds of death around you. And whether you realize it or not, without Jesus, those seeds of death will eventually sprout up and cause death in your life, uh, your lives and the people around you. Um, literally in the next passage, Paul says this. He says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap from his flesh corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will reap from the Spirit eternal life, right? The, the flesh corresponds to this sort of, you know, I'm, I'm obeying my flesh and I'm hiding in the dark, right? You're just sowing seeds of dark, like into your own life, into your own family. Like you're, that, the Bible don't be mocked. Whatever you sow, that's what you will reap, right? So there will be consequences for our sin, even if we do a really good job keeping it hidden. So what I'm saying is come into the light. Right? Come into the light, because Jesus actually can, can do so much restorative work and reconciliatory work in our lives when we walk in the light. This can sound terrifying. Um, you know, this does, this, it can feel a lot like fire to be like, oh my gosh, like, I have to do this. Right? I've got to walk out in the light. But the truth is, every time you walk in the light and you confess a sin, what you're saying is you're saying, Jesus, I trust you 
more than anything else. I trust that you will make me stand. I trust that even though I say these things that feel shameful and feel like death, and I'll tell you what, I, I know what it is to empty my heart of everything, literally everything, uh, which sounds crazy, right? Like, like how many in here, like you're harboring some secret you've never told anyone, or you've just got some, sin has some grip on your life, and, and you don't even know what it is to be free because you've kept it buried so deep down. And I'll tell you what, when you get totally free and you feel completely like everything, it's like, it actually can be bewildering because you're like, I walk around hiding all the time, right? Even if it's only 1% of your heart, right? Jesus redeemed the whole thing. I just want you to know, right? Like, like that 1% has a disproportionate control over your life, right? And you notice like when you're hiding sin, it'll lead to, to lying, to misrepresenting. Uh, it, it just leads to more sin, right? That's sowing seeds of death into your life. And when you fully confessed, right? Right before I became an elder, um, I was convicted, right? Because here's the truth. Like I can hide from humans. I can hide from people. I cannot hide from God. I really can't. Uh, like Adam in the garden hiding behind a bush. Like We cannot really hide from God. It doesn't work. He knows where we're at. He sees it all. But I could have hid you know, from, from the men around me. who you know, I was being set in as an elder here. I was a young man, and I had some sin in my life. And in tears, I was convicted. I was like, I know who I'm called to be, and I know I have some issues in my life. So I called, and I said, I, I, I confessed it all. And I said, I realize this may disqualify me from being an elder. Something I wanted. Something the Bible says is a good desire. And I confessed all these things. And I was like, and I literally thought they were going to be like, yeah, this isn't for you. And, that, and you know what's so funny is Brian in that moment, he was like, man, he goes, Mike, you need to understand. And you need to understand this. He said, conviction is a work of the Holy Spirit. And confession is a work of the Holy Spirit. And he's like, this is what we need from elders, right? Like, they say, Lord, I'm all yours, like, and here's my heart. And so this has become a regular part of my life. It's not to say I'm, like, perfect by any means, but, but like, man, our, our, our leadership team knows. You know, I have this conversation. This is a regular part of my life is conviction and confession. Um, now, obviously, I also want you to know there's a category of sins in my life that if I commit them, uh, that I, I do need to step down. Now, I, there have been times where I've been like, this one's a weighty one, and I bring it uh, to, to others, and, you know, and, you know, we deal with it. Nothing like, I mean, there's certain ones the Bible calls out like adultery that, you know, that's, that's not happened in my life. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, but like the reality is, is that there, you know, like, I hope this makes sense, but it was like, it's a painful thing to trust the Lord like that. But what comes from that is a freedom. And I remember like after doing that, I was like, oh my gosh, like what? Is, like, I just felt like I weighed nothing. Like, and I just, it, it's incredible. Like when you clear an empty, you just find this life and this freedom and you realize, man, I have been dragging chains everywhere I go. Right, this can be significantly hindering your spiritual life, by the way, if you're dragging chains that Jesus already set you free from. All right, uh, all right. so uh, we want to be people in the light. Uh, now, so what do we do? Um, what do we do when sin rises to the, the level where it begins to cause chaos in people around us? Well, Jesus happens to give us direct instruction on how to walk in restoration. So like this Galatians passage would be written in the context of understanding what Jesus said about this. Um, and, uh, and he gives us very direct in, in, instruction here. So I'm going to read this and, uh, and we're going to begin to look at this. And like I said, we're probably going to pick this up because I got a few more pages of notes here. We're probably going to pick this up in two more weeks. And I hope this doesn't just feel like a boring classroom lecture, but rather pastoral application for something very critical, very important to your life that we often don't get great instruction from. And this is one of the roles of the church is to help instruct and equip you guys uh, to walk the way God calls us to walk. So here's what Jesus says in dealing with sin. He says, if your brother sins against you, this is Matthew 18, 15 through 20. Yeah, there it is. Uh, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. 
between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to even the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Just an interesting pastoral note here. You've heard this last part of this verse a lot. Right, the last part of this passage is a lot, right? Where two or more are gathered in my name, I'm there among them. Where two or more are gathered in my, I'm there among them. I don't know if you caught the context here, but what Jesus is saying is he's saying he's given a real authority in the church, in the community. He's saying, I am with you. I'm there with you. When you're navigating these really difficult things, when, when, the, church is in, in, when the church is healthy, preaching the gospel, coming in, Christ, you know, in the name of Christ, standing in Christ, and they call someone to sin, this is not a light thing, right? I have had people who we have, as a church, come to and said, hey, you've got this sin in your life. Hey, you know, the, the, your marriage, this thing is happening. And, and they just walk away. From the, they just leave. We live in a, we're going to talk about this. We live in a culture where actually we have skirted the, 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 the way that Jesus talks about uh, reconciliation here. We get away from it. Like, you know what people do here when we, we go through this process? 90% of the time they leave and go to a different church. You might be here today because you've done this. You might have left a church out of conflict, a church in the authority of Christ, sitting in, like, I just want you to recognize this. And if that's you, even if there's a sliver of that, you should go and reconcile. You know those passages in the Bible that says, like, if you're there at the altar with your gift and you go to make, and, and your brother sinned against you, like, you're unreconciled with your brother, right? Like, and I'm not talking, like, if you made genuine attempts if you really tried to do this, right, and it just didn't happen, sometimes that happens. But if you just ran and you're still harboring bitterness and you haven't forgiven this part, like, you need to go fix that, right? Not because, actually, here's what, what's wild. Like, you are saved by grace, but Jesus says you have been freely forgiven. You should freely forgive, right? He talks about a parable of somebody who's forgiven $10,000 debt and they hang on to $100 debt. And Jesus does not have good things to say about the person who, who does not forgive small things, right? And so this is so important because I tell you what, this does not get preached in the church often. I talk to many pastors and they just don't like, like, because here's the thing, I know this is, some of you here should probably not be here because you have done this. You have left and, and you, you, you have a conflict with the church and you just disobeyed Christ outright. And he says, the world will know you by the way you love one another. And you're just like, well, this must, you're just not thinking about it. You're ignoring it. But here I'm like, the word of God is light. I want to bring it to you, right? Um, and especially if these are Christian brothers and sisters uh, that you, have, you haven't reconciled with. All right, and now saying this to you, uh, let me say two things. As a leader, I believe I need to hold myself to an even higher standard, right? Like I try to go above and beyond if I feel like there's an unreconciled issue because I, God, here's the, it doesn't even matter what you think or what I think. Here's what I know is true. Jesus will hold me to a higher standard because his word says he will, right? The things I say, the way I act, like I don't want to be on the wrong side of the wrath of Christ. I'm just telling you that. I know who he is. He's the Lord of glory, right? And so that means I swallow my pride. I don't hold the root of bitterness. I don't, you know, what, what, I mean, that passage that, 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 that Paul throws in here says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever one sows, that one, that he will also reap. If you're living a life where you're harboring bitterness, you know, you're harboring bitterness, or you just live in a life that you disobey Christ, especially when it comes to loving, you know, your brothers and sisters in Christ and reconciling issues, right? Like, do not be deceived. 
God will not be mocked by your, your ignorance. He will not be mocked by your light treatment of his church. His pe- this is his bride, right? right? Like, I just want you to know, you should grab on to how weighty it is that Jesus said. Like, I've had people who essentially, like, now I don't believe I'm like the be-all, end-all spiritual authority, but I do believe that Jesus has called me in his authority to be a, a, a pastor and to be an elder in this church and to preach the word of God and, and to shepherd this flock well. Now, here's the thing. If you don't believe that your leadership in the church is called by the Holy Spirit to do those things, you probably shouldn't go to that church, right? Uh, and, and two, uh, if you don't just believe God does that, well, you, then you need to read your Bible because he clearly does. He does do this. He call, this, is a huge, this is a huge calling. And, uh, and, and so I, I say all this to say, like, you've got to understand the weight that Jesus puts in spiritual authority, right? Like, um, and, uh, and, and it's just, and, it's, and it's, it's for your benefit, right? Leaders should be like fathers, spiritual fathers, shepherding and flocking, or, you know, shepherding and guarding the flock well. And hopefully that's been your experience, right? You're like, oh, okay, our leaders, they're not domineering. They, they lead by example. Uh, and they shepherd. But sometimes, sometimes we do have to get the staff out <laughs> and be like, listen, you got to obey the word, right? Listen, you're, you're sinning against your wife. Listen, you are spreading slander in the church. These are rare instances, but they do happen. And 99% of the time, unfortunately, maybe 90, 90%, I feel like one out of 10, right? Remember that time Jesus heals those 10 lepers and only one returns? It feels like that percentile for when we, when we feel like, and if you know me, my leadership team knows me. I err on the side of like, you know, let's just show grace, right? <laughs> like God has to really move. Like I can, I can feel convicted by this passage because I'm like, oh man, like there are some people who, who did terrible things and I'm not sure we, we obeyed Christ here like we should have, right? I'm not sure I called them to action like I should have. And guess what? Even in my gentleness, I was often called a Pharisee. Uh, I've had other church leaders accuse me uh, of being pharisaical and, uh, and because of how we've treated people who sinned greatly in our church. And I'm like, man, I don't even feel like we went as far as Jesus told us to go uh, on this. So anyway, this is a big deal. Um, obviously, here's the thing too, is, is this can be, maybe this is off-putting to you. You're like, man, like, can't we all just get along? And what I would say to you is this, is like, man, in the Old Testament, they took sin in the church so seriously, they just stoned people. Uh, Jesus is like, no, I'll get stoned for you. But because he took the penalty, he took the wrath, now we can reconcile one another. So when we treat evil in the church lightly, we treat the crucifixion too lightly. Uh, and you just got to know that, right? Like if you, here's the thing, when you have been hurt greatly, when people treat that lightly, you don't like that, right? It feels hurtful. And, and so for me as a church leader, like when sin happens in the church, you might be sitting on the out, and this is what happens, people on the outskirts of this church, when stuff happens and we're addressing sin, like, um, you know, we have addressed some sin in this church uh, over the years, sin from leaders, what happens is you get people who are like, oh, can't we just all get along? Can't we just, and I'm like, no, because they, they are claiming to be Christians and they're hurting lots of people and they're unrepentant. If they're repentant, you won't notice it happened, by the way right? If they're unrepentant, the whole church feels it. But if they're repentant, uh, you, you won't really feel it, right? Repentance means they say, when we go to them, they say, you're right, I've messed up, and I'm sorry. And they, and they basically begin to walk through it, and it, and it works. It, it, it happens. It changes. Uh, when they're unrepentant, they're basically saying, no, you're wrong. I'm covered by grace. I can sleep with this person who isn't my, wife, or my, my spouse. Uh, I can have a baby with this person who isn't my spouse. And actually, the Bible tells me I'm okay to do this. And that sounds like a made-up scenario, but someone actually used that one with me. And they left the church, and they went to another pastor, and that pastor was like, you're being a Pharisee to this person. And I kid you not, that actually happened to me. 
<laughs> and it sounds unbelievable, uh, but it, it, like it, it, it's, it's, we live in a culture that has tried to skirt this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk very briefly here. We're going to wrap up. We're going to come back in two weeks. Hopefully, uh, you know, uh, you guys are, uh, this is benefiting you and helping. I know it's maybe not the most fun topic to talk about, but it is weighty and important. I mean, the fact that Jesus says what he says here at the end of this should draw our attention. He does not normally speak like this, right? Right, we want to be like, oh, we're two or three gathered in my name. There I am among them. We talk about that in like prayer meetings and on Sunday morning, but Jesus is talking about the weight of his presence while we're calling out sin to reconcile and restore, right? Because the goal is not to call sin out. The call is reconciliation, right? The aim here is reconciliation. Um, so essentially here you, you see a pattern. Jesus is basically saying, he first says, hey, if someone sins against you, go deal with it, right? Um, go and deal with it. Go talk to them. Don't go tell your friend, oh, so-and-so did that. That's gossip, right? That's not good, uh, right? You can, I believe you can go to a leader and say, hey, uh, a leader you trust and seek counsel. You can say, hey, this situation happened. You can even, you don't even have to be that specific. You can just say, hey, the situation happened and I'm really not sure if I'm, if I'm making a big deal out of nothing or if I should talk to the person, right? Um, and you can seek counsel and leaders, but don't go to your friend who is an immature Christian, a bitter Christian who hates that person and then say to them, oh, so-and-so, and then, oh, I know they did. Because what, you know what that'll do? It'll raise the offense, it'll create more division, it'll stir up bitterness, and it'll make you feel justified for the sins that you're committing in the moment and the sins that you're committing when you hate your brother sister now even more that you've talked to somebody who doesn't help you. Hey, look at that. Clapping for gossip. I love it. Uh, Anti-gossip, not clapping, (laughs) you know, because I mean, here's the thing. Gossip and slander are a huge deal in our day and age. Uh, We just can't treat them lightly. Uh, I mean, to be fair, it's something I struggle with. It's something I try to confess. It's something I try to deal with. Like, maybe not like, like my, I, think, I think that's the other thing, too, is that you grow as a Christian. Like, when you hear the word gossip, I think we can, we can picture something. This super catty, like, you talk to everybody. You know, for me, it's just like, I, I can just, li- like, I can, things can leak out that shouldn't leak out. Uh, right? And it's not to a general audience. Uh, it's just, it's to, you know what I mean? Like, I know, I, I know my own heart. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm getting at. And probably, I would say, it's a very human struggle. Uh, right? Um, it's a very human struggle. All right, so someone sins against you. Uh, it's implied here that they don't seem to notice. They don't apologize. Maybe they're in denial or they're ignoring the issue. Uh, Jesus says, go to them in private. In, you know, I think Genesis, or Galatians 6, in a spirit of gentleness. <laughs> uh, tell them their sin. If they hear you, puberty strikes at 37. Uh, if they hear you, hear you, ah, uh, and they agree, they will apologize and you will be reconciled. That's what he means by you've gained your brother. If they hear you, they're saying, you're right. I did do that. It says you gained your brother. If they hear you, because you're, you're going you're asking for forgiveness uh, or you're asking for them to apologize. Uh, let me get, I'm gonna give you my pastoral caveats on this issue and then we're gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna freeze this and stop right here and pick it up in two weeks and invite all your friends to come have your, and, hey, we're talking about reconciling and sin and gossip at our church this next week. Come, and they'll be like, what? I'm not coming. Uh, okay, so uh, let me give you, I'll give you my pastoral caveats on this. Uh, and when I say caveats, I just mean like, I, I think just in my experiences, I've done this, and we've looked to, you know, the whole council of scripture and tried to walk this Matthew 18 thing out. How have we navigated this? Well, I think obviously what Jesus says here is wonderful. It's great. Um, so uh, my first one would be this, First Peter 4, 8 says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Um, so I believe this means we should be very merciful and forgiving when it comes to sins. So listen, your, your brother or sister sins against you, right? Do you go to them every time? Well, I think this passage applies, right? Sometimes, you, you know, you ever been around your friend on a bad day, and they say something out of character that offends you? I think love covers a multitude of sins, 
right? Now, the moment that it becomes a pattern of repeated, like, they're having a lot of bad days in a row here, right? I think that would be a time where you would go to a person and say, hey, I've just noticed lately you have been saying some things that offended me, right? right? I think we can show a lot of grace in a, in a, in a one, like a, something that's irregular, something that's not often. Now, obviously, if that irregular thing is, well, Michael Marks walked up to me and just beat the crap out of me, like he beat me up, right? That's probably not something I'd be like, well, he had a bad day. Hey, who's cheering? Michelle! Uh, <laughs> So, like, like, like people, your friends will have a bad day. You can show mercy and grace. Love covers a multitude of sins, right? That multitude of sins is not like adultery. That's not what it's not, or like, or like murder. It's like, it's like there are things, we all have bad days. There are all, you know, you can show mercy and grace to your friends. So I would just encourage you that. This is my general, when I'm doing discipleship, I tell people this, because you will get offended. People will hurt you. You'll come to church one day, and you'll have the worst day. You know how many people leave our church because they had one bad day here? A lot, a whole lot right? And, uh, and that, a lot of times it's guests, but uh, more than that, it, it can even be people in the church. Sometimes they just, they let these things pile up. Sometimes you need to be more forgiving, but sometimes you just need to obey Christ and, and, and in a spirit of gentleness, go to your brother or your sister and talk to them. And I do think, uh, here's, here's what I would say, most offenses or sins that happen between Christians are small things. Most of the worst like sin we experience in the church start off as a lot of little small things where they, they don't seek reconciliation. They let it go, like either a person uh, ignores it and, it just, and they're harboring bitterness while the other person's kind of sinning against them, uh, or it just turns, kind of turns into this sin off, right? Like I think I, I, like where you get sides divided and both people feel like they're totally right, and they both feel like the other person's totally wrong, uh, and, but they exist in a place where they're still around each other, so they're constantly sinning against one another. And... Uh, and, um, and, and, but oftentimes I find these sins start with really small things, miscommunication, misunderstanding, emotionally driven, uh, in the moment kind of stuff. You're having a bad moment, you're having a bad day. Um, I think you can lean on mercy for the most part, but if there's a pattern of behavior, I think going to your friend talking is helpful and appropriate when done in a spirit of gentleness, a little Galatians 6 mixed in there. Um, you know, again, if the sin is more intense, like they, they punch you in the face, you should definitely talk about that. Maybe bring a trusted Christian friend so they don't hit you again, uh, right? Like this is part of the role of, of, of pastors and elders and mature Christian leaders in your life. Hint, note the word mature uh, Christian leader. I've watched people in the church who know they're up to no good. They bring the young Christian who doesn't, you know, who's, who's not a mature believer and they basically convince them that they're right and then they bring them into the meeting and, and then the person's like, yes, I agree. You two are not eldering well. And you're like, you just, became a Christian two weeks ago. Like, what, like, like, what are you thinking here, man? Like, like, and, and, uh, but the idea being is like, we should lean on mature Christians uh, in this case, and mature Christians will call you out. They'll say, hey, I think you're actually, you have a, you have a wrong heart, or they'll say, hey, I think you're gossiping here, or hey, I think you're slandering here, and it's not, like, we don't cancel people, right? We redeem them. Uh, That's what we do in the church, and, um, and so, and that's possible within communities to do this kind of thing. So anyway, um, again, uh, if the goal is love and something has happened to you uh, and you want counsel, I believe it's appropriate to go to a pastor or an elder. And I reiterate this again because I think gossip is a huge issue. And this is the number one leading cause of gossip is small offense. You want to know why people gossip? Small offense. They feel angry. They want to feel justified in their anger. They don't want to forgive, right? Uh, and so we go and we talk to our friend who's going to amp us up and be like, you know what? You're right. They really shouldn't have not said hi to you on Sunday. Those jerks. They don't want you there at that church, Right? Oh, they said no to you? Like, how dare they say no to you? You know what? All the churches are Pharisees. And like, I have rewound the story on this. and be like, so tell me what exactly happened. I learned this from my friend, Brian Mowry, great pastor, great mentor in my life. And he'll just like ask people, say, so tell me what happened. And then, and then he'll look at him and he'll be like, 
so what, what, what would you say is the offense? And, they'll be, and like, as they verbalize what actually happened, a lot of times people are sort of embarrassed. And I've watched it happen. And it's amazing, because it's just bringing stuff to the light, and they'll be like, well, I came to church, and I just didn't feel like so-and-so said hi to me. And he'll be like, well, did anybody say hi to you? And they'll be like, well, yeah, of course. And, and what's your offense? Well, then nobody said hi to me. He's <laughs> like, well, you just said. And they're like, uh, yeah. like what I'm saying, and that, that sounds absurd. I've heard this conversation more times than you'd like to know. Again, you know your own heart, right? What do you do? When you feel wronged, you go beyond, right? Remember Jesus in that parable he says? He says, you see the speck in your neighbor's eye while you got a huge old log in your eye. He's saying we are ignorant of how messed up we can be, but we're really good at pointing out the littlest thing in someone else. And that little miscommunication leads to massive explosions in relationships and in churches. Uh, so this is why this is so important, right? Like, here, I'm, I'm just trying to do a lot of pastoral work at once because I'm tired of having that conversation. Like, okay, what did they do to you? And uh, they hurt my feelings, Pastor Mike. <laughs> okay, what did they really do? They didn't hug me tight enough. Okay, and you egged their house, okay? Uh, oh, you, and then you, now you're out here spreading gossip and slander that they write all their sermons using chat GPT. Like, what is going on out here? That was, a, that was a lie that got started about me that someone spread because I hurt their feelings, by the way, because I told them they can't just uh, do whatever they want with our youth kids. Well, that's what, that was me shepherding and guarding, and so they started to lie about me and, and spread it out there. Uh, but, you know, here's the thing, I, I, and I don't mean to defend myself because Jesus will defend me, but uh, here's the thing, like, right, we get hurt, we hurt back. That's what we do, All right? So, um, <clears throat> anyway, we got to be careful with how we do this. I'm going to let the band come up. Here, here Jesus encourages us to just talk to people. And my, my encouragement for you today would be this. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you three things to think about. One, I would encourage you to think about what in your life is hiding that you're afraid to bring out in the light. One, Jesus wants to heal you. Two, he is strong enough to hold you even when your sin feels like, man, this is going to kill me. This is going to ruin me. Uh, Jesus was ruined and killed for you so that you would live. Uh, two, uh, if you feel like you've got some kind of offense with someone that you just, you know, you have, and you have not genuinely tried to reconcile it, I would encourage you. And if, this, if you're here, and this is with another church, my brother, my sister, beloved, do not take lightly what Jesus says about reconciling. Um, come talk to me. I'll be pastoral. I'll be friendly. I'll be helpful. But I will challenge you to obey Christ. And, um, you know, we are saved by grace, but Jesus doesn't save us by grace so that we can treat love with one another flippantly or carelessly or ignore it. Um, so if that's you, I'd encourage you to that. And then finally, I would just say, you know, if it's a more personal matter, if you're in here and you feel like, man, I'm harboring a lot of bitterness, or man, you know what, as you talk, I realize I've done this dozens and dozens of times in my life, and I feel really offended all the time, and it's because it's, here's the thing, it will kill your spiritual life, it'll kill your participation in the church, it'll make you say things like, never again, never again will I serve, never again will I give myself, never again will I invite people to our house, never again will I try to host a community group. You know who's trying to encourage you to never again obey Christ? Satan. And he will use everything, even your own emotions, to get you to that point. And he will make you think you're right, and think you're wise, and think you're doing self-care. But in reality, you're disobeying Christ. And, um, and we just need to know what Jesus says. So hopefully, you know, a little bit of fire today, but that's okay. Jesus is going to purify and do good work. And these things matter, right? They matter. So let me pray for us. That was probably a third of the sermon, so we're in trouble in two weeks, but we'll get through it. Uh, Heavenly Father, I just pray you bless us. Lord, we want to be a people who the world recognizes us by how we love one another. And Lord, I have not done this as well as I should. I, it's taken me too long to preach on this topic. I'm thankful that you bring it up in Galatians, Lord. And I just pray that you would just pour out a spirit of reconciliation on our church. Pour out a spirit of mercy on our church. God, I pray you pour out a spirit that if we recognize we have hurt someone, we would go and we would just lead by repenting. We would lead, we wouldn't wait for someone to come to us. We would just be a people who say, I, you know what, I said this and I shouldn't have said this. Hey, you know what? 
I've just not been a good friend to you. Lord, I pray that you would just pour out, like by your power, your spirit. If I know one thing you love to bless the church with, it is love for the brethren, love for one another, love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, I pray if there's people here who they probably, they need to reconcile with a different church, with another pastor, with another leader, uh, with someone else in another church, and they've run here to hide. Lord, I pray you would call them to walk in the light, um, especially if they made no real attempt to reconcile, uh, especially if they left without saying anything, Lord. Um, Lord, I realize that might cost us something here, people who, who are serving and giving here, but Lord, we want to obey you more than we want to protect our stuff uh, or things that feel like they're ours. Uh, Lord, even our own hearts, we want to obey you more than we try to guard our own heart. Because um, why would we have to guard our heart against you, Lord? You are the, the, the Lord of glory. Uh, so Lord, I just pray, breathe your redemption, breathe your reconciliation, breathe your, re- your restoration. God, help us. Help me to lead and shepherd. Help our leadership team, our elders, to lead and shepherd well here at Living Hope Church. God, because sometimes your word has to be, uh, has to be uh, brought with some fire. It has to be brought uh, with, some, with some power. Sometimes, Lord, you do call us uh, to shepherd with the staff a bit. And I just ask that you would today, in strength, strengthen our church and bless us. Have your way here. In your name we pray. Amen.